a real-life comedy podcast designed to lighten you up, make you laugh, and get you off your ass. Now that's Kristen being Kristen. Are you freaking kidding me? Start the show. Okay, everybody, it's another episode of Chicken in the Bag podcast. Uh, the past year and a half has been a pretty interesting year for a lot of people. A lot of us have been dealing with some hard times, some trauma. So today we're going to talk with Amy Sanchez Zadak, and she is um, an educator. She's a speaker. Uh, she's also a professor. She, she does a lot of different things. And um, we're going to talk a little bit about who are we and the journey that we go through life. So let's get her in here and we'll get started. And boom. Hi, Amy. How are you? Hi there, Kristen. How are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so glad you could be here with us because, you know, this past year and a half has been really difficult for a lot of people. Um, some people are better dealing with hard times and trauma than others. And uh, some people are just like not good at it. I think a lot of people have kind of questioned themselves over the past like year and a half. Like, who am I? What do I like? Am I do I really want to do this? I think a lot of people have been on this kind of journey to kind of like do their own thing. So I was really thinking it was really great to have you on here because I watched your TED talk and I loved the um, the talk about meta, meta what is it? Metanoia right? Is that how you say it? You got it. You got it. Yeah. Okay. And um, so now explain this to me a little bit. A lot of people, I think it is the journey of um, changing the mind, heart, self. Uh, explain it. You, you, you can do it better than I. So, so it's interesting because metanoia, we all go through it and we're constantly going through it, really. Um, children are the best at going through this. So it's basically changing, having an open heart, having an open mind and being able to understand that, you know, things are going to happen and we are constantly being molded. What we call and now the new word is pivoting. So really pivoting in metanoia is exactly the same way, but it goes a little deeper because you do have to really go into what you're feeling and your heart and, and understand that it's painful, right? Because, Every change is painful. The worst, I, we're our worst critics, right? <laughs> so then we have to tell ourselves that uh, I think we've got to change. And right. we all know how difficult that is. And it's not changing our soul because that that's one point I really want to bring up because we confuse personality and behavior with our soul. And, and I definitely believe that we're born with this soul and then it just gets molded and it moves in different directions so it's we have to really go deep into our soul and say who do i want to be and who am i yeah and what am i going to do with that right and i think i don't know about you but like i think that i always know who i am but i do think as i grow through certain experiences i kind of change certain things about myself like i you know i, I think i'm always Kristen. Right. But then sometimes through certain experiences or, or challenges that you go through, you know, I've had some trauma in my life, you know, you, like losing things or fires or financial issues. You have to kind of dig deep and be like, OK, how am I going to get through this? And that you have to decide, am I going to sit there and feel bad for myself or am I going to pick myself up? And then you have to kind of decide, all right, what's next? And so sometimes we go through these like these little like rebirths or these like through these little renewals or these little learning curves. Um, you know, I think you've been through a lot of different things, too. And you, I mean, you're a fascinating person, Amy. I mean, uh, breast cancer survivor. Um, your parents came here from there. They were exiled from Cuba. You came here as a, right. as a little baby. Unbelievable right. stuff. And I think one of the things that you said in your speech is that you were a chameleon, right? Because of, yeah. of being a Cuban exile. But so you like connected to people's pain because of like what your parents went through. And right. I think I connect to people's pain too. Also, I think that's kind of one of my things. I, I feel like even though I haven't been through certain experiences, because I, I'm connected to people, I can kind of I can kind of connect to them and and 
connect to their story. Can you talk a little bit about that aspect of yourself? Yeah, and that's interesting because I, I was actually listening to one of your um, videos or I think you were being interviewed and you spoke about your mom and how she's one of your biggest mentors. And same same thing here because that's where it all starts, right? In our core. So mm -hmm. I was a Cuban, I tagged myself Cuban chameleon because my mother was an amazing person at just loving humans. Mm -hmm. And she and I had this discussion once because I walked in and I wanted to have a hamburger, something that simple, right? I just wanted to eat a hamburger. And she says, right. well, I made black, you know, black beans and white rice and you, da, 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 and you have to be Cuban. And I go, why do I have to be Cuban? I just want to be human. But it came from her, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was kind of funny, but we, we do go through a lot. And I think the foundation is our parents, you know, they're going right. to teach us how do we deal with things. And, and then that's that core that we talk about. And then you learn to survive because I think that one of the, the issues is that things are going to happen and froze for a second. All right. We lost Amy for a second. Let's see if she catches back up because she's into something really good. This is what I love about technology. You just never know what's going to happen. Uh, there's so much stuff I want to get into. So let's see if it um, gets back. This has never happened before, so we'll see what, let's see, let's see, I don't know. Um, okay, well, I'm gonna talk a little bit about what I think, uh, some of the other things that I think are interesting from trauma. Um, I'm gonna fill, fill some time here. Uh, so for me, um, experiences that I've gone through, uh, what Amy was talking about. Yeah, you there, Amy? Back, okay, we back. I'm sorry, I don't know what's going on. Um, <laughs> So I'm so, so sorry. So when uh, we uh, when we take a look at dealing with things, it's not about dealing with the situation. We can behave and, and take the action we need to. But how are we going to feel about that? Just like with breast cancer, you know, when I was diagnosed, it was a blow. But I was at that time I was teaching a class on grief and bereavement. And to me, it was like, OK, I have to walk the talk. Like, how am I going to deal with this grief? And am I going to really uh, act on it the way I've been preaching to my students mm -hmm. or am I really going to turn around and say, well, me, and I can't believe this is happening. So that was a huge metanoia for me because yep. all of a sudden I had to turn around and say, oh, oh crap, <laughs> you know, I've got to really walk the talk now. And it helped me. It, it was really a, a process that I became a person that I really didn't realize I even had in me. Wow. That's fascinating. I think that's what I think. I love that you say that because I think a lot of times what makes people really connect to certain people is like when they actually have walked the walk, like they've actually done it. You know what I mean? Like that's why I really connect to people that I love people that have actually lived life. And I, I that's why I love having people on here that have done different things, because I think that you never know what's going to come across your door. Right. So sometimes if you're listening to somebody else, you never know when you're like, oh, I'm going to go back and check that person out because they've already been through that. Um, that is fascinating that you were actually teaching bereavement and, and loss. And then you come through like this, like wallop in the face, like, OK, now right. I have to do this. Right. Um, you know, that's the big thing that, that's so interesting because loss is a big thing for a lot of people. A lot of people really get stuck in it. You know what I mean? And and they really don't know how to how to kind of process. And I really feel like I, there's no right timeline for it. And I think right. some people are better at dealing with it than others. Um, what are some of the things that you taught people in that class of how to deal with it? Uh, that we, you know, it, it's it, grief is really, really something that I absolutely love. Actually, my dissertation is on grief and bereavement. And I, I wrote it when my mom passed away. 
So again, it was a big awakening, right? Another, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you know, there's so many metanoias, but I mean, it was really an awakening. So what I found out was that I had, there's no timeline to grief and there's no right or wrong. Mm-hmm. And we, uh, you know, I have two sisters, so we're three girls and we all grieved so differently. And it was difficult. It was, it was extremely difficult because we all needed to grieve our a certain way. And we all expected ourselves to grieve together because we were sisters. So it's like, how can you grieve this way? And it was, it was just like a very difficult process. But what I teach my students is, at the end of the day, what's going to determine how you act on anything is your belief system. Your belief system is mm-hmm. everything. It drives everything. I cannot change that. No matter how much therapy you get, I cannot change your belief system. I can change the way you see things, but if right. it's in that core, mm-hmm. I can't change your values. I do in classes, we have, uh, I have everybody draw their soul. And <laughs> that is the most challenging thing everybody finds. So draw me your soul. And uh, I, I tell you, I cannot believe how many people come up to me and say, what should it look like? Yeah. I was like, how do you draw? Your-? That's what I was thinking in my head. Like, how do you draw your soul? That's so fascinating. Exactly. Yeah. And I, and I get beautiful things anywhere from flowers to a, a, a dark page with one white light in the center. I mean, I have collected and the, the uh, going joke now is give me your souls. And, you know, I collect their souls and I take pictures of, <laughs> of, um, of all their soul drawings. So I've been doing this for probably about seven years with that. Mm-hmm. And um, the easiest way was to give people a blank sheet of paper with crayons. Yep. And then see what and they then, can. But it took, it took hours, hours to do that. And then the second piece is what's your um, draw your afterlife. And so it, then they connect it. Does your belief system and your soul connect with what you really believe your afterlife is, if there's any afterlife, right? Wow. And then we start questioning ourselves. So it's an introduction to who we are. Uh, I had a professor who, um, he had us write a table of contents and it, it you had to introduce yourself to yourself. Oh, that's fascinating. Uh, yeah, because all your chapters, you just see your chapters. Correct. And I mean, and that's the whole thing about life, right? Because we have all these different chapters and all these different experiences. And and I think that that's so great because I think a lot of people don't spend enough time really looking at themselves, right? And and that's one of the things that I think is so fascinating about metanoia because, you know, so many people, um, they're, they're judging their life by somebody else's standards or they're right. judging their life by looking at other, like we're always in this comparison mode and I'm like, no, 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 no. Get off the comparison mode because you know, what's great about, you know, Amy's at Amy's Amy or Kristen's Kristen. And, and I just always want people to understand that, like get on this like little self-development journey, like not like, you know, like, um, you know, just, you know, learn to celebrate who you are because it's going to take you so much further. And then the more that you know yourself, when these when these different things, challenges come in your way, you're going to be like, oh, I know this about me. And I know that this is how I have to handle this situation. Okay. Like, like you were saying, like the grieving, I'm from two, I have two other sisters too. So there's three of us. And, uh, and we are so very different, but we also, we are so very tight at the same time. Exactly. So, so it's really interesting how you can be some, some like, and, and when it comes back to values, you know, cause they, we all came from the same mother. And she really like, you know, where we got a lot of our value system, right? But it is so funny how we are so very different on certain topics right. or certain thoughts, you know? So right. um, I think that's what makes us all so interesting that we have our own little things about us, you know? Yeah, and I love that. And that's a great point because my sisters, at the end of the day, we we know we have our each other's back, right? So we're not going to agree. And it might be 
30 different discussions of how I shouldn't do it that way. <laughs> but you know that they're the ones you want to go to because they hold that those values and, and the belief system. And and again, it, it's it's that's the end result of where you want to go. So, yeah, I love that. I mean, trust me, it's a heated debate sometimes. But oh. at the end of the day, we you walk away, even though I may not agree with her and I'm the baby. Yeah. So I may not agree with them. And I'm like, yeah, but so it's pretty cool. That's We're, awesome. I'm, lucky. I'm lucky. That's awesome. Um, another thing that you work on also is um, I believe you, you kind of do um, behavioral um, behavioral strategists for, for businesses and people and anxiety and trauma. Can you talk about counting down? What is counting down? Because anxiety is so huge in society today and there's so many kids struggling with it and i really feel like the more we kind of understand it maybe we can maybe learn how to handle it better can you talk a little bit about that and what you do with that yeah that's a, a real sensitive topic for me and near and dear to my heart because i think that we all suffered from anxiety i think my mother suffered from anxiety although we never just spoke about it that way right so you know she came from cuban when she was 27 years old she had three kids so that's a baby now that I look back, she's a, yeah. you know, she's a baby, right? And so I think that she was nervous and the way she worked around that was being a doer, 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 doer. And I, that's one thing we all three sisters have, you know, that's how we work through our anxiety. So, but it's- I, I'm so connected to that, Amy. It's like right? so my mom, yeah. Exactly. So, which is healthy. Right. You know, I don't see anything wrong with that. Right. Uh, and I always stress that that's great as long as it's constructive. Right. Right. And, but we all deal with anxiety in different ways and, and there's highs and lows and we know that. So when I, when I try to educate people and, and help them understand what are you really going through? There's really a difference between anxiety and sadness. So one of the things that I, I recently learned probably about two years ago was that we don't know how it, you know, how it feels to be sad. We don't know how to project that and say that, oh, I'm not anxious. I'm sad and I'm hurting, which is creating anxiety, right? So true. So true. Because I think sometimes we just put things under one umbrella and then like that's, yes. and like then there's varieties of it. Yeah. hundred percent. I love that. And they're like sad names, right? Remember when bipolar, which still obviously exists, but remember bipolar was like, you know, a household name. And then, you know, we, we went through many, many, many phases and look, the DSM five, which is where we diagnose people, they're still trying to get it right. You know, we're on oh, already the fifth edition, right? <laughs> right. So, so we're still trying to get the mind right. And if we really look at our, our, our minds, that's the only organ that we diagnose without doing a CAT scan as, as therapists, as right. psychologists, right? It's funny you say that because one of my other guests was on and he deals with mental health and that's what he was saying. He was saying how like, if you go to any doctor and you have a broken arm, it's like, we put the x-ray, it's a broken arm, this is where it's broken and this is how we fix it. But when it comes to mental health, right? Um, there's so many different, depending on if you want to do psychotherapy, psychology, you know, all these different types of therapies. And depending on how, what the questions and answers you give somebody, they're going to say, oh, you're this or oh, you're that. So it's still so like, it's all over the place sometimes. So you're 100% right. It's really hard to sometimes pinpoint because one person who you're working with might think that you're more of a this issue with your, you know, your, your depression or your anxiety or bipolar. And another person might say, oh, you're a little bit more like, you know, so it, it is fascinating when you really think about that. Right. And, and uh, you know, that's a, a good point to bring up is that when you are, if you plan on going to therapy, interview your therapist because their belief systems and their values are just as important. I went to three, uh, let's see, when I was in my 20s, I went to three therapists before I 
found the one that connected with me because I was dealing with being um, daughter of, of, although I was born in Cuba, I was, my parents never lived in a Cuban neighborhood or a Spanish neighborhood. So I was struggling with, oh, wow, this is the way all my friends do it. And this is the way my parents want me to do it. So my first therapist that I went to, she says, oh, it sounds like you live in the dark ages. And it was like, uh oh, she definitely doesn't understand my background. So uh, and I never went to a Spanish therapist. It was this wonderful doctor that I found and he he got it. He just got it. He connected with me all based on empathy. So it's really important to know that you connect with your therapist, interview them, right? I totally agree with you on that because I think that's what so many people don't realize is like, it's really finding like that 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 connection or that that trust because you're trying to get you're trying to get solved you're trying to solve a problem you're trying to get through something right so right. like if this person doesn't get you then you're both just going to be spinning your wheel so and then it's important i think a lot of people just assume like well what do i know who am i to ask a therapist but but you are because it's your life that you're trying to fix so right or that you're working with the right type of person amy i think that's really fascinating i want to touch on that a little bit so like your parents came here from cuba and then we you didn't live around other cuban people so it must have been so weird because i know in the in the ted talk you talk about all the different like groups of people you grew up around so mm -hmm. you really learned about so many other cultures besides yeah. your own and that's really kind of fascinating so you know you know um i how, how was that did you kind of like did you feel like you missed something were you angry about that like we did you know like were you confused like you i don't know uh, you know it, it it's such a funny story because um i what never was but that i give 100 percent credit to my parents they they were just so fluid i mean they really were they my dad is still alive thank god he's 87 years old i mean oh, he's bless. wonderful but the funny thing is they that they, they were just human beings they never saw like a culture which was right. interesting mm -hmm. so when people talk to me about that yes of course you know what people are, we're all different and right. but they were very adaptable and i don't know if that came from fear maybe you know, if I would really deeply psychoanalyze my parents that they just wanted to fit in, but they made us feel the same way. So when um, growing up, I spoke, I learned how to speak Spanish and English at the same time. As soon as we walked into that house, we had just like the Cuban background, the Cuban habits, the Cuban belief systems, everything. So there was a very strong core of you are Cuban and you will follow these traditions. And Correct. it was just traditions, not mm -hmm. the way we taught, you know, treated people. But then we played, my mother took care of 13 kids and none wow. of them spoke Spanish. You know, they were from the neighborhood in South Miami at that time. So I grew up just like, you know, playing with kids and we never saw anything. I mean, it wasn't like that. Oh, you can't yeah. play with, you know, Mary Smith because, you know, she's right. Anglo-American. That was never a discussion. And then when we moved into another neighborhood, you know, it was an all Jewish neighborhood. And the reason I say this is funny because the kids I used to play with, they go, you act Jewish. And I would go, what's, what is Jewish act? Or they'd say, you don't act Cuban. And I'm like, what is a Cuban supposed to act like? That's and I've gone through that through enti my entire, all the way until I probably recently when somebody says, you're Cuban? Uh, you don't act Cuban. So I chuckle because I think it's funny because I don't yeah. even know how to define that. Right. I, I can say, and I can say this because I'm Cuban, but I can say, you know, we're, we're loud and, you know, we're, we talk a lot and, you know, we love dancing and, you know, the typical, um, cultural things that we do. But, uh, you know, I think the fact that we carried, uh, as a family, the fact that, you know, just respect people. That was my, my mom's really big thing. 
Thing. Respect and listening. She right. was great at that. I think that's so important. I think that's so, I think that's fascinating to me because I think, you know, that's what I think. I think it's better to just kind of like, let, you know, it, it is nice to have, you know, celebrate what your culture is and, and understand that as your, as your, as your foundation. But I think it's so great when everybody just melts together and plays together. I grew up in a very diverse neighborhood. There was kids from all, all different types of countries. So it was like, you know, you, you learn, and I always were like, oh, tell me more. Like, you know, what was it like there? And I always want to understand it because I thought it was, it was just interesting to hear everybody's different experience. And, um, you know, so I I just think that's what's so great and and i just i think that's what makes life interesting i i love variety personally because i really feel like if everything's just the same it gets very boring it's like who wants to listen to like one song over and over again when you can sit there and have like a medley of all these different songs and that's what i think is so great and and, and, and kudos to your parents that maybe they just want to come here and they really want to experience a, a variety of things too you know and um i want to ask you another thing because right now you know cuba is in the news and everything like that and and um i don't know did your did your parents ever they never got the chance to go back, did they? they my mom did. Actually, you know, uh, in the TED Talk, I say this too, because it's really important. My parents never thought they were gonna stay. So going back to what we were talking about, how did I deal with it? The the aspect of being Cuban was kind of fluid. You know, we were, we were but I grew up with a fear or anxiety, if we wanna go, you know, talk about that, of we were always gonna go back. My parents always talked about going back. Mm -hmm. And so I think I was probably in my 20s when I came to the realization, oh, I don't have to go back if we go back, right? 20 now, right. So yeah, so that was, that created a lot of fear. And so my parents did, my mother used to go back. She is the, she was the youngest of 10. So she used to go back and her mom was alive. And then when her mom passed away, she, she didn't return, mm -hmm. but it was, she, it, she went through a lot of pain. She left her entire, yeah. entire family. And, um, uh, as an adult, I, I started realizing what she was going through. She really missed them, but you know, it was a big choice. It was yeah. a big choice. Yeah. And my dad, he came with his whole family, which was very small, you know, it was just his sister and his dad and his stepmom. But, um, but it was hard for him too because they were business owners wow. and they lost everything right everything. so even my mother's wedding rings they they took so wow. you know they they walked in with literally nothing right. and my dad who had you know all these businesses in cuba was very well off came in and he started working as a janitor for one of the local hospitals mm -hmm. so you, you change your entire life so taking a look at that you say wow i I, I connect as a culture, but when I look at the country and the, what, what's going on now too, yeah. drives, drives me crazy. Right, know? that's what I was gonna say. I, I, I watched a video the other day and I was just trying to understand because you know, was, uh, when, I, when I found that out, I wanted to ask you some questions because you know, there's a lot of times there's mis misunderstandings of like what what it was that like that now, what it is now. And and one of the videos I watched that somebody was trying to explain was trying to say that like, you know, when when people are there visiting, they're going to regular supermarkets and there's tons of stuff on the shelves, but then where the people actually live that live there, there's nothing on the shelves and like you can only get water off a water truck. So I wasn't really, and I was like, wow. And it's like, they were talking about how doctors are shipped out and they make hundreds of thousand dollars per doctor, but it doesn't go back to the families. And it was, it was mind blowing to me because it's like, I think a lot of times people don't really, I always understand the full picture sometimes. And, you know, and I was like, wow, it's like, I think sometimes it's easy to always think like the grass is green or like think like, you know, oh, this is so awful. But then sometimes when you hear other situations like, oh, well, I guess, I guess, you know, so I, and I, you know, I was just wondering like, um, 
you know, what did did it change so much? Like, why did they exile? Was it was it like that then, or, or did it become right. worse after they it, came? It got oh, a hundred percent worse. Right, so thought it was a business yeah. owner. I was like, oh, I didn't know you could be a business right. owner. So, okay, right, right. It was never like that. Obviously, okay. you know, in that sense, you know, people were had businesses, they had homes, and then of course, you know, when communists hit. But um, and I think that was in the I want to say 1957, if if my dates are correct. And then there was an influx of Cubans in 1957, which had the money and, you know, they, they came in with their businesses and they started businesses. And at that time, they were able to, you know, bring, you know, their their belongings and sell their homes. And uh, so it was like being ahead of the game. And then, of course, then communists hit. So uh, then people were just fleeing. We were uh, there were there have been so many um, uh, I guess groups of Cubans that have come throughout the years or decades, mm -hmm. because we were 1962, we were the last Pan Am flight to come out in 1962, October 20th of 1962. Wow. And then later there was the Mariel boat lift. So there were, there are many, there's been many exoduses right. uh, because of the pain. You know, it's this little island that has, has caused so much distress to so many people and is, yeah. is loved by so many. Right. It's a beautiful culture. It's a yeah. beautiful island uh, of giving people. Yeah. And it's sad to see what they're going through. When my mother went back and came back, she was depressed because yeah. it was terrible. Yeah. The houses were, weren't being taken care of. Uh, so then you have people going for the tourism side and it's gorgeous. And that's where, you know, I get it. I get it. You know, the people that want to go there and uh, and they want to, you know, show Cuba and how beautiful it is. But then you have to understand the pain that everybody's been going through. And through. Two sides to every story. Yeah, it's fascinating. You, yeah, it's, it is incredibly sad. Yes, the poverty there is, it, you just look at it and you just can't realize it's going on. Yeah. It, it, I think the, the biggest concern is it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's unnecessary. Yeah, it really doesn't make sense. I was just reading an article about you know what's going on with the internet, mm -hmm. and then they were saying, well, you know, the the phones in Cuba they have a specific SIM card which is different from ours. But and in my head, I'm being overly simplistic. I'm going so ship a whole bunch of <laughs> SIM cards right. or, or or phones, right? Right. So and these are the things that you sit back and and you kind of hold dear because you know you there's not there's so much we can do. Yeah. And my mother used to send food and she used to, you know, provide them with uh, some funds. It's never enough. Yeah. And she might, I mean, that's going to be so hard because she probably had so much guilt. Like she's here and they're there. You know what I mean? And I think, wow, that's, 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 that's really interesting, Amy. Wow. I, I, God, thank you so much for sharing that with me. Cause I just want to, I want to hear a little bit more from like your, your family's your perspective and like some of the, the history, because um, it's something that's so prevalent right now that we're, that we're talking about. And I know the empathy in you and like, um, it's just so important. Uh, but also how did you, how did you decide to get into psychology? Like, how did you become, decide what you wanted to do like and, and become a professor and a teacher and a, and a, and a doctor? Yeah, you know, it's it's funny because um, my I was listening to my mom speak to this young girl and I must have been like 12. And again, she says the girl, this young girl was saying, oh, I'm going to be a psychologist. My mother goes, oh, I just love that. And I think that was it. Boom. You know, like it just registered in your brain like at nine. And uh, and that that was basically it. And I love I love listening to people and trying to connect mm -hmm. love problem solving. So that became part of it. In saying all that, 
and, and, and this is interesting because my dad being a business person, when I was going to school, he said, you know, you're, you're going to pay for your school. I'm not, you know, I'm not doing that. And I remember I got a C in one of my classes and he picked me up. This was in first year of college. And he goes, why are you crying? And I go, I got a C in chemistry. And he's like, I told you you shouldn't go to college. <laughs> I'm like, what the heck? So um, I love, I love my degree. You know, mm -hmm. it put me in a place where I can um, listen and help and try to figure things out. We also have a family business, which is, uh, I don't think I've, I've discussed this with you at all. It's a balloon business. Okay. And I started it because I wanted to go through uh, pay for college. And that's the way I got my master's. And anyways, it became a big family business. And now my husband, my daughter. So it's a big thing. And the reason I bring that up is because people say, what do balloons and psychology have in common? I go, We're, we both try to make people happy. Oh, I love that. And, and at the end of the day, I'll be out with my clients with the balloon business, just listening to all their problems and why this balloon is so important, which sounds silly, right? right. But at the end of the day, we're, we're really doing exactly what I love doing, which is trying to figure out like, how do I relieve the stress of this event um, and use what I have. But I think with psychology, the, the the key is that seeing so many people in pain and not knowing what to do with it. Yes. That is my priority because sometimes mm -hmm. it is just take a deep breath, but sometimes it's like, you're never alone. Yes. And we, we, we fall into that. I right. fall into that. Like, oh my God, I've got to handle this by myself. Right. And I think that's what's good. And that's so important right now, because I think this past year, a lot of people did feel alone. You know what I mean? And I think it's so important yeah. for people to know that they're not alone or there is somebody or there's places to go or even online communities that can listen, you know, because the people, you know, the loneliness, I mean, like just uh, this past year, just like the suicides and the, and the drug addiction. And like, and I have, I don't even think we scratched the surface on so many, so much like ripple effects that this past year has put upon so many people. So, you know, I, I, I tend to do a lot of shows about, you know, like helping people heal or, or, or find, find commonalities or something to make people lift their spirits a little bit, because I think it's really hard to keep yourself, um, even if you're a positive person, I try to, I try to be positive, but some days it's like, boy, they are really trying to make it hard for you to even like pull yourself up certain days. So, um, it, I really appreciate what you do. And I love the fact that the balloons are part of it. Cause I think anything that kind of lifts people's spirits, I actually kind of got into comedy because I saw the pain in people and I wanted to try to find a way to like, you know, lift people's spirits. And I was like, all right, I'm just gonna make jokes. Maybe that'll make people lighten up. And that's actually something that's involved in your family too. Um, improv mm -hmm. and comedy is, is that your daughters do that? Both my daughters, yes, yes. So they started um, uh, in college. Well, they started going to summer camp, but what improv does is help you communicate. And, and they taught me so much. So both my daughters, Angelica and Alexandra, and uh, they have this company called This Is Improv, and they do they teach people basically how to communicate through improv, whether it's corporate or whether they're they're doing an event at a, at a club. But what they taught me through therapy was that, you know, together we we were stronger, right? So with improv, just like comedy, you you had a you had a stand-up um that I saw that you were talking about that you speak two languages, yes. uh, female and male. Okay. So I was like, oh my God, that's awesome. Because that's exact that is so true. Right. And I think that improv helps with that because you turn around and you your focus is listening and reading body language. And one thing they really taught me was, you know, there you have to make sure like when you're on stage that you're covering your the other person's back. Right. 
in corporate, you don't see that much. You see a lot of arguments in the boardroom because we all want to be right. Yep. But when you're on stage, it's like, if I'm right, that means you're wrong and you're going to look bad. And then the whole sketch is off. Right. So they taught me how to do that. So I bring a lot of the, their improv actually to teach my psychology students how to listen. Oh, that's great. So, and they come in and they they do their thing. You know, they're the experts. And I watch and by watching, I can tell which of my students are going to be really strong listeners. And then the other ones that aren't, we can work on that. And um, to me, improv is great. My daughters have very different personalities, so they they really complement each other working on stage and, and working on, you know, their, with their YouTube and all that wonderful stuff. I love that. I think that's so interesting, too, because uh, it is such a big way that a lot of corporations, it is a big function that a lot of people do. Like a lot of companies do the improv night where they bring them in and, like, and it's kind of like a great, like, right. you know, team building environment. And and I really think that's so true what you were saying, because, you know, you do see so many battles in, in corporate America. Right. And I always am like, why don't we bring more honesty into corporate America and probably make like I, I just don't understand it because we have all these classes and we have all this stuff of trying to make everything be make so much more sense. But and I'm like, yeah, but if they're really pissed off and they can't say they're pissed off, they're just bottling it up. I feel like we're giving people like more aggravation in work because we're not allowing them to really express really what they probably want to say sometimes. And right. isn't it better to just air it out with your coworkers and, and squash the situation and then be able to build upon it instead of like, because I think that it just kind of keeps those little, that little tension festering. And I, you just see so much negative negativity in certain, certain work environments, you know? And wouldn't you trust them? Huh? And wouldn't you trust them more then? Yeah, I mean, I was right. <laughs> so, and and that's what your comedy, you know, improv. They we all bring trust to the table because yeah. when you're honest up there. And I, I and I've got to say this because I love the fact. Talk about metanoia. We're going back a little bit, but going yeah. when I look at you, talk about metanoia. You're one of the strongest people I've seen because during the day you're doing this, which is phenomenal. Right. Mm -hmm. But at, at, at night you're doing the bartending and the comedy and that is a transition, but the purpose is really the same, right? right? You're taking your belief system, but you're, you're kind of manipulating and that's a chameleon. You're manipulating it to serve that area of people. And that's so important to me. I mean, I wish, I just wish there were other platforms out there that were similar to yours, which I think is unique. Uh, people want to have uh, see themselves as uh, either a comedian or a corporate person or a lawyer, but it's like, oh, how great to be so, you know, flexible. Thank you. I, I appreciate that as a, as a compliment. And I think that's so true because I think that's what everything that I do overlaps. And that's true because it all comes from like a similar thing. And I, sometimes I'm like, I got a couple balls in the air. I'm like, okay, hope I can keep them all going, you know, because it's not nice. family life too. But the thing is, is like, you know, they, they bounce off each other a little bit and they all feed my soul a little bit, you know, because I'm like, all right, you know, if I'm at work, I can kind of lift people's spirits or I can listen to somebody. Right. So say, especially now that the bars are reopened, a lot of people coming in with some trauma or they're coming in with some fear. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of like, I try to lighten it up and kind of, all right, come on in and you feel, okay, you can sit here. And like, then after they get out there, like, they feel more comfortable. Then the next time they come in, they come inside. Do you know what I mean? So like, it's been kind of interesting helping people readjust back into society. And then, you know, um, also just watching the way people interact with each other. You know, you try to like, you try to listen to people because sometimes people are at different phases. Sometimes you get a person in a good mood or a bad mood and the good mood, you, you keep lifting the spirits and the bad mood, you try to make it into a good mood. Yeah. So it's, it is funny. Like, I, that's why I think I'm so obsessed with, um, you know, the, the metanoia, because so many people don't realize that, 
you know, okay, maybe this is a tra traumatic year for you, or maybe this has been a punch in the face, but that doesn't have to be the end of your, your, your journey. It can be like, okay, then how am I going to flip it? And what can I do next? So right. that's kind of like, okay, now I'm going to look into this. Uh, uh, let's see. Quinn, I uh, just made a comment. He says at some, at some point, the tragedy just become so much. It really seemed like an off brand lifetime movie. So since then I've just turned the trauma into teachings and humor. I love that Quinn. That's such a, that's kind of what we're talking about. It's kind of like, you have to kind of figure out how to kind of deal with it and then make it work for you in your life. And take a step back because honestly, it's hard. Some things hit you, they just slap you in the face, they take your breath away and you've just gotta like, okay, I've gotta breathe a little bit and not do anything. Sometimes make doing nothing is a decision in itself. Mm -hmm. so, so it's okay to just take a moment and try to figure things out. Yeah. Uh, when I was, you know, with, with the breast cancer, I had to take a moment because it, it, I just went in for a checkup six months after my normal checkup, right? And it was like, oops, and didn't feel anything was fine. And then you sit there and you're like, okay, what am I gonna do with this? And everyone's bombarding you with their opinions. And you're like, I, I just need to figure out where I'm gonna go with this. I don't know. The answer is I have no clue what I'm gonna do. And that's happened in so many, when uh, when 2020 happened, you know, we mm -hmm. didn't know what was happening. We had tons of events in, in one side. I was teaching on another side and it was like, what do I do now? Okay, well, we shut down for 10 days. We took right. 10 days to evaluate everything. And it was hard. It yeah. was sometimes I was writing, sometimes, you know, trying to figure things out. I do a lot of um, what we call mind mapping. I don't know if you're familiar yeah, with mind mapping. I love mind mapping. Yeah. I love mind mapping. So I'm here and everyone knows when I'm stressed out, you're going to see mind mapping everywhere. So I, I was like mind mapping here, ma mind mapping there and, and then reflecting and then doing budgeting. And you, there were so many pieces that I had to look at. So wait, to pe so people that are watching or listening that aren't are familiar with mind mapping, I am because they use it a lot in education. And uh, and also if you're trying to write or like someone like me who does a lot of different things, it's kind of a good way to brain dump. So can you just explain to the people like what mind mapping is and why you use it for yourself? Sure. Uh, Tony, uh, Tony Buzan started mind mapping and it's basically, you can do it two ways. I do just circles and branches, but when we think, we really don't think linearly our brains really think in branches. So what you do is you take one specific topic and then you branch it out and you can have various pages. But if you're just going this morning, what am I gonna do today? You know, you just start with today and you branch out all the activities that really have nothing to do with each other and then you connect other branches. So if you have to go uh, to simplify things, you know, you have to uh, go grocery shopping, you might write three things that you have to get grocery shopping. And then if you're doing a podcast, you have to make sure you have three things, you know, three, four or five things that you're going to, you need for your podcast. So it's, it's a great thing to do. I love it. That's like a whole, I think that's a whole educational piece in itself, Kristen, right? It's oh, I yeah. And talk about alleviating anxiety. Oh release it. Yeah, because goodness. it's out of here and it's on at least a piece of paper. And yeah. I think that's what a lot of people don't realize. Yeah. And it increases memory by 65%, especially really? if you use color. So if you take a look at your linear list and you take a look at your mind mapping list, you're going to remember that picture versus, you know, the uh, the linear list. Wow. So it increases. So in, when you're studying, it increases it. So it's amazing. I love it. Learned it about 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, and it it really, really helps in, uh, with anxiety. Really mm -hmm. does. Because you, then you take a look at your branch and you go, oh, my God, this branch over here, like family, is what's overwhelming me. And 
uh, this one I can handle, but this is full of emotion. And uh, that's why I'm feeling so distressed. So that's pretty cool. I love that. That's fascinating. I actually stumbled upon it because my son has learning issues. And in one of the one of the schools that he was uh, doing some classes at, they used it. And I was like, oh, that's a great idea. And like, and then, and then, and um, for anybody that's, because uh, Quinn was like, I've never heard of that. And um, so now he's, now he's excited about it. Uh, there's tons of um, worksheets online too. You can always like print yes. them up too. So there's printables. If you just Google mind mapping, I'm sure there's probably a video about it. I mean, everything's on Google or YouTube. So I'm sure you can find stuff. And it said, he says, it sounds like it would work well with ADHD hundred yes. percent. Yes. yes. Us, us crazy brains that have a lot of stuff going on. Yes. We always have, I always feel like I have like a multiple files that are going on up in here and I'm always like, okay, what am I, I, you know, and I have to sometimes, sometimes I, what I, how I do is I'll be like, okay, I can't focus on this one right now because I know that I have to put my energy into this one. So sometimes I kind of, I'll shut things down for a little bit and then focus on these things and then I'll pick it back up. hundred percent. That's exactly yeah. it. And, but, and you can do that because you can visualize it. You can see it. It's right in front of your face with all those branches hitting you. And again, if you use color, then you can just close your eyes and you can definitely see where everything's at. So and that's it's, awesome. And it's, you can check off as you go along. Yeah, it goes back to that rule that you don't have to color within the lines. You know? <laughs> so that's what makes it so great. Right. I love that. Um, you know, it's one other topic that I want to get into because when I talked to you a little while, uh, while ago, you have a lot of you, you and I overlap on a lot of things that we're both passionate about. And um, you teach a lot of different courses and one of them is human sexuality. Mm -hmm. And I'm really like, uh, you know, I'm a strong, I always do a lot of jokes about this. I am a strong woman, but I grew up in the seventies. My mom brought us up with a certain uh, value system as a female, but I really feel like it's changing a lot with society and social media and what we're projecting on, what we're considering to be female empowerment, a lot of stuff. I feel like there's a lot of, a lot of different information coming at young women today. And um, I don't know if, when, when you're in that class, what you're hearing. I sometimes look at some imagery that's coming out and I'm kind of like, I wish there was a little bit more of a dialogue because I feel like there's certain things that are being pushed on young women that I don't know if they understand the, the danger of certain aspects or are we really like, are we really taking care of ourselves wholeheartedly, socially, mentally, emotionally, and sexually. So I don't know if you could talk a little about like what you talk about in that class and what you've seen with, with um, how it's changing with the next generation. Right, so they've taught me more than I've taught them <laughs> with that, which is not not something I really was planning on my life plan to do. And uh, trust me, my poor daughters, I would get home and go, you, let me see your phone. Let me see your phone, let me see those apps. So it's, it's interesting because the one thing that hasn't changed, which shocked me, is that women still want to be get approval by men. Mm -hmm. that, so that shocked me going right. in the first day. And I remember one of my young girls in the class that said, well, because I said, you know, this was my question. Why? Why do you have to watch porn before when you're dating your boyfriend? Well, because that's what turns them on. OK, these are the conversations that we have. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's like, but why? Why would you do that? Does it make you feel comfortable? No, but if there's so much competition out there that if I don't do it, someone else is going to do it. And that is the response that blew Ooh. me away. Yeah. So, so that's like the foundation of where I start with, okay, let's talk about belief system and feeling good about ourselves. And how do we get these young girls to do things because they truly feel whatever the word empowered means, but they really enjoy it. And exactly. they're not that's what I'm trying to say, because I noticed that like, 
what I'm trying to say is that I do think that there is a difference between how you are emotional, right? So I think if that's something that you're really into and that's what you are, then that's great. But if you're doing it because it's what everybody else is doing or it's what's pushed as like, this is what makes you sexy or this is what makes you a strong woman. That's what I kind of worry about. Cause I'm like, actually to me, what makes you a strong woman is the fact that you have a brain and that you have enough confidence in yourself that you can set boundaries or speak up wherever you want. That to me is what makes a strong woman. And I, I really feel like there's a lot of misinformation being pushed on young women today that, yes. um, your butt or your lashes or your ass and you this and that, or, or if you can really be the raunch girl, or, Oh, I can do this. And I'm like, can you really do that? And not really be, you know, are you really okay after you do that? And that's, it's really fascinating to me. So, so this is where empathy comes in. And sometimes it's like intuitive. Don't you feel that when you see these pictures of these girls with these pictures mm -hmm. that you know that they're not happy, it's like, don't you see it? And it's right. like, Oh my God, why are you doing this? You know, kind of thing. Yeah. So, so in, in the classes, it's, we have very open discussions and it's interesting when we have discussions with the boys or, you know, and, right, right. and it's, it, it's just fascinates me that we really haven't moved farther in the way we think this. That's what I'm, yes, yes. I froze. Ugh. Me too. And I can make my, I'm, I think I'm back. So no, you're back. You're back. Yeah. Can you see me? Yeah, I can see. So, so uh, you know, how do you get into that? I, I think the biggest issue is you're right. They're confused. The girls mm -hmm. are so confused. The boys are confused. The boys don't know how to act with the girls. Girl. So, I think there's so many rules that um, have been now. Okay, we're we're rewriting the rules, right? Mm -hmm. So these were all these rules. You know, growing up, I'm sure your mother said you don't do this, you don't do that. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not going to show your clearance. Right, you're right, not right. going to walk around with with your bra, you know, whatever, uh, you, you have to cover yourself, all these rules. Right. So now it's like, well, you can do anything that makes you feel comfortable. Well, but at that age, we're trying to fit in. Mm -hmm. So does comfortable mean me fitting in or does comfortable mean me showing off certain things? So mm -hmm. what does that mean? And honestly, they don't know what that means. Yeah. And, and one of the things that we have a whole chapter on, um, abusive relationships, Right. So I love taking the chapters and making them real. So we talk about relationships. And there was one young lady, this was probably about six years ago. She came to me after class and she says, I, I didn't realize this. I'm in an abusive relationship. And those are the conversations. They're not going to share it with their parents, but they should. Mm -hmm. Because I can't see one parent that wouldn't say, let me help you. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I think a lot of times that sometimes you don't know because what, like where are the imagery is coming from now or the, or the knowledge is coming. Like there's not like really a lot of discussion on certain things on, on your shows or your, so a lot of the stuff that they're being given is a lot of like that. I don't know. Like, there's not a lot of good representation of what's something healthy or what's good or whatever. So it's like, I feel like there's just kind of like one thing that they're pushing. And then I think also with like what you were saying with like the porn, like there's just so much, there's so much porn being pushed on young people today. Mm -hmm. And, and we're, we're selling certain, certain concepts like, Oh, like this, like this is empowerment or this is good. And I'm like, yeah, but you know, I, I think there's nothing wrong if that's what you really want to do. But if you think it's just going to be fast cash or attention, that's where I think it gets a little bit swayed and can kind of get into some 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 choppier areas that people don't realize. And that's that's what I kind of worry. But I'm just trying to say, uh, if they're really happy doing that, 100%, go ahead and do it. But if you think that's going to be that you're going to become the next the next big thing and you're going to make millions of dollars because you did it, I don't think that they're really showing people the ugly side of that. 
And that's what I right. just worry about for the, what the young people aren't getting the, the whole story sometimes. Right. And with that comes, uh, let's just say huge responsibilities, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and again, we need to turn around and figure out who we are. We, we yeah. do. And what makes us feel comfortable? Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, there are some girls that don't don't like to have wear cleavage. Some love to. Great. That, I mean, as long as you feel comfortable. But why are we doing this? And why are we using this platform? Or why are we using the platform this way? Is this going to? And honestly, you, you, there's so much danger in doing this nowadays because we've got the human trafficking that you and I have talked about. Mm-hmm. You know, we've talked about uh, the sexuality of, of people. It's still if you dress a certain way, people still think that this is what who you are. Yeah. And I, and, yeah. And it's like, it, it shouldn't be. And I, and I'm like, and I never want, you know, want to say, I'm just saying like, to me, I want people to, I want to build me personally. I would love to build women up mentally and, and, and like value system first. You know what I mean? And I really feel like now with social media and, you know, like I, I like, like right now there's been an epidemic of what I've been seeing so many parents, like really sexualizing little kids, like on social media, like being like little models and like the way that they're given like the, 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 and I'm like, what is going on with like the, the, like these are seven year olds. Like, I don't understand. Like they haven't even figured out who they are yet. If you're telling them that this is all they are at seven, what if they go through an awkward phase when they're 17 or like what's, what's good today is not good tomorrow. Now you're not, they haven't even developed yet and you've already messed them up. So I'm just like, I would rather just kind of like let them find themselves as a person, like who is Kristen? Who is Amy? You know, who is, you know, Carrie before she's working. If, if you build them up with this first, then if they choose to do whatever they choose to do, they, cho- they choose to do it. But at least they know who they are. If you don't know who you are, you're just trying to kind of like, okay, well, maybe Bobby will like me because I did this, or maybe I'm going to get looked at. And I don't want, I, I'm just wishing we could get off of that because if you're constantly looking for validation, you're going to get, I just think that you're going to make decisions that probably ain't gonna be what you really want to do just because you were looking for the validation or the attention of somebody. Right, and and the important piece of this is what we were talking about earlier when we talked about our moms and how influential they were in our lives. Yeah. So look at the impact your mom and my mom did on us, right? right. So now you have little girls that are, are being told, okay, pose like this, pose like that. How, what a huge influence, right? There's a big difference between saying, be who you are, which I have no clue who I am at seven, let alone <laughs> 20 you know so uh so here so who are you going to go to your mom your dad you know your parents so now that they've laid the foundation of how this is going to be right i call my students my 20 year olds i call them interning adults and i tell them this is a great time to make mistakes make the mistakes find a mentor and and make all the mistakes but you are interning right now when you're 30 you have no long you don't have an excuse right you should know your stuff a little bit. You know, you can still make mistakes, but 20s, that's the golden, you know, 10 years to just mess yeah. up, try different things, and and you you can basically bail be bailed out for lack of a better term, you know. Yeah. But when you're seven and eight and nine and ten and you're having these um these videos out there, you're just opening a world of problems. Right. And I'm I'm like I'm saying, like, you know, it used to be that you would need like um, and uh, you would need an agent or something to do that. But now but with the social media, you can do it right, right away. And like, you know, like we were saying earlier about like, you know, Friday's uh, hum- as human trafficking awareness day, I believe a world trafficking day. And it's like a big day that I, I'm always like blown away by because it doesn't get really much 
media hype. Nobody really pays attention to it. Nobody really talks about it. But like, especially this past year with this past year and a half with the COVID is it's skyrocketed. It's been horrific. And when I realized how many people are looking at little kids, when I'm seeing some of these accounts, I'm like, oh my God, like, do you understand that you're like, you know, some people can be like, oh my God, she's adorable. But there's a whole group of people that are looking at your daughter for the wrong reason. Right. And I'm just like, God, like we're sad in this set. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's it's very like flip-floppy to me. It's like, don't look at, don't look at me as an object, but then we're objectifying ourselves or objectifying like little girls. And I'm like, whoa, I, I, I can't even get my head around it right now, Amy, because I just, I stumbled upon this portion of it just recently. I, I came across a couple of big accounts and I'm like, then when I researched it, I couldn't believe how many more accounts there were. And I'm like, whoa, this is like a serious situation that's going on right now. And I, and I, and I, I think it's fascinating that so many people are just like, oh, they're cute. And I'm like, yeah, but are you looking at the song that's in the background? Are you looking at what they're doing? Are you looking at how they're posing? I'm like, this is like not a good, this is not a good trend. It, it isn't. And it just, again, you're, they, they grow up thinking that this is normal and this is the way you get approval because at the end of the day, you're on a camera because you want approval. Right. And, and the likes and the social media, they're incredibly dangerous. I had a whole class based on, you know, what do you do if you don't get enough likes in your, your social media? And they go, we delete it. I go, well, then you're lying to yourself. And they were like, no, we're not. And I go, so something happened in your life. You posted it. You didn't get approval and you deleted it. And they got it. You know, they yes. and we did a lot of exercises with that. Right. So when we take a look at these little kids, their likes are incredibly important. And I can bet you anything that if they don't get enough likes, they're going to be, they're going to be deleting their post. Yeah. I, yeah. And that's, and that's what I'm saying. Like, then like, where's the line? Cause it's like the parents need the likes just as much as the kids do. Like the parents are even worse. So then like, what's going to be next? What are they going to do next for the more likes and that one? You know what I mean? So, so it's fascinating. I don't know. It's going to be, it's going to be an interesting one going forward, but I don't know, but uh, I need a lot of shrinks. That's for sure. <laughs> I know, but I love the fact that these, these kids get to come through your door and you know, you, you open their mind to think like that or ask those questions because I think it's so important for people to, you know, to kind of, you know, find themselves and in, in that, that I'm sure there's some really great topics that come up in that room. We have yeah. a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun. It's uh, open discussion. And, uh, you know, the textbook's great, but uh, you, you need to touch base with what's going on in life. And as you can see, it's changing rapidly and unexpectedly. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what I think. Like, I mean, you know, social media to me, I think it's got some really great benefits. Mm -hmm. You know, I love it. It's been great for me for a lot of things, but I think there's a lot of pitfalls with it too. And I just think that it's important as, you know, educators or parents to really like, you know, use your, use your ability to kind of discuss it with your kids, scroll with them. Like, I don't know if anybody's listening with younger children. I mean, think a little bit before you're posting because, you know, so, so I, I'm glad my child wasn't posted online. Yes, Quinn, hundred percent. I wish I'm glad mine wasn't mine either, because that's like one of the things like you got to, you got to really find out who you were without everybody else's opinion on it where you don't really get what these kids and teenagers don't. And and now like they're judging themselves by what all these other people are doing. And then with the trends, this is trending. So then everyone's like doing what's trendy because it's gonna get them the likes like they're looking for. So right. it really it, it really does, it really does help this whole, it, it really does um, hurt the whole process of sometimes trying to find yourself because you're, you're stuck in like these uh, these traps of like what everybody else is doing. You know, and it, yeah, it's uh, first of all, anxiety. Whew, that's 
uh, you know, sky high because of that, because yeah. again, you don't know. And then it's, it's exactly what you said. You know, it's like you're, you're gladiator, you're in the, this, you know, carriage and you've got ho two horses going opposite directions because some people are going to say this and, you know, other people say, you know, you got to do this and where do you go? Nowhere. You go nowhere, you get stuck. And then again, yeah. that creates anxiety and depression and a whole bunch of other issues. So, you know, when, when we bring my students in, we have huge conversations. The, you know, the class always starts with, this is about you. This class is about you. So, and what that means, we don't know yet. I don't know. And, I and, I, and I, and I, we have a lot of fun. I love it. I've been doing it for 27 years already. I can't believe it, but it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot. Uh, of fun. Well, that's awesome. Well, Amy, I mean, I really appreciate you coming on and talking to us. Um, I hope anybody that listened to us, uh, maybe embrace your metanoias and, 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 and find your journey and your lessons in them. Like, Hopefully, maybe through this conversation, you find a little bit more about who you are, because uh, we are our identities, and like you're always gonna, you're always growing and understanding who we are, right? And we always are gonna have different experiences that kind of bring different sides of us out, and we're gonna have challenges, and that's okay. Try to try to face them, try to deal with them, and if you get overwhelmed. Um, Use your mind mapping. Try to understand why you're anxiety ridden, or is it anxiety? Yeah. Is it trauma, or is it just you feeling sad, or even maybe mad, sad and mad? You know, there you go. that's <laughs> a good one. They're, they're both feelings that you're gonna have. Well, Amy, thank you so much for joining us. Thank and, you. Uh, hope everybody has a great week. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Chicken in the Bag podcast. And uh, and Amy, if anybody wants to follow you, where can they find you? Well, let's see. Uh, at Doctor Zadak and. Um, in Facebook and uh, God, I don't even know. I think it's at Dr. Amy Zadak in uh, Instagram. So okay. either one. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Amy. And uh, we'll be back next week. Cheers, everybody. This episode of Chicken in a Bag is over. She's got to get back to being a mom, wife, bartender, therapist, comedian, you know, real life stuff. But you can catch more episodes of Kristen being Kristen on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe. Catch you next time.